Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. Now, this week we're going to look at why it's important to focus on the right things, not just anything. Then we'll get into the Australian stock market so I can share with you my thoughts, where it's heading, along with answering all your questions and looking at stocks for you. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now, before we move on, thank you for showing your support for our channel and hitting that subscribe button. Now, remember, as you subscribe, click the bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also, remember to tune into our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. Now, this really is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favorite stocks and answer all of your most burning questions. Now, We've all heard the saying that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, but how many truly understand the meaning of this statement? Because in my opinion, the importance of planning is understanding the impact of what you're focusing your attention on. Now, it's a well-known fact that Australia is a country with one of the highest levels of personal debt, and we know that the main source of income for around 50% of retirees is the government pension. So what exactly are Australians planning for if they continually end up in this situation? Now, unfortunately, many Australians mistakenly believe that the pension is a retirement plan. However, it was set up as a safety net by the government to support those who have not really planned for their retirement, which explains why it is set at levels that are insufficient for people to survive. Now, in reviewing the recent investor survey by the Australian Securities Exchange, the number one financial goal for 50% of those surveyed was to go on a holiday. Yes, 50% of people surveyed said they want to go on a holiday. Now, around 25% also indicated that their goal was to save for something big, whilst 13% indicated they had no specific personal or financial goals. Now, on a good night, 34% indicated that they wanted to pay down debt or become debt-free, whilst 32% indicated that their goal was to get their finances in order. Now, while the survey indicated investors of all ages, the figure was quite, well, this one figure was quite interesting, but not surprisingly, that was only 12% said their goal was to plan for retirement, which explains why so many Australians are in debt and on a government pension. Now, this survey also highlights that what we focus on may not be what we should be planning for. Now, retiring debt-free on a comfortable income is very achievable for anybody with a little dedication and planning. You just need to follow the three laws of wealth creation that I outline in my book, How to Beat Your Managed Funds by 20%, 
which is to spend less than you earn, invest wisely, and lastly, leave it alone so it can grow. So what were the best and worst performing sectors last week? Well, once again, information technology was the best performer at 1.80%, followed by financials up 0.66% and energy up 0.55%. Now, the worst performing sectors last week included utilities. That was down by 2.13%, followed by communication services down 1.54% and consumer staples. Well, that was down 1.29%. If we look at the ASX top 100 stocks, the best performers last week included Blue Scope Steel, which rose over 10% last Friday after releasing good news on its earnings. Now we close the week up just 9.19%. That's not a bad little rise, eh, is that? And most of it happened on the Friday. Now Qantas also finished the week strongly, closing up 8.08%, while Simic Group and Aurora were both up nearly 7.5%. Now the worst performers, that included Aluka Resources, which was down 47.16% after the company demerged Detara royalties from Aluka, from the Aluka shares. So Aluka shareholders will get one share in Datara for every Aluka share that they own. Now, the balance of that 47% is really not 47% because it's just a split um, of the company. So don't worry too much if you do own Aluka shares. Now, next worst performing was Unibail Redamco Westfield, and that was down 6.29%, followed by Evolution Mining. Well, that was down 6.12%. So... What do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts for our S&P 500 All Lord News Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and looking at stocks for you that you've chosen for me to have a look at this week. Well, I know I've said it before and I'll probably say it another thousand times. You know, a week can be a hell of a long time in the market. And uh, just when you think the market's doing something, it goes and does the opposite for you. And last week was no exception. I mean, obviously, October is one of those months where we expect volatility and we expect or we don't expect the unexpected. How do you expect the unexpected? But we get the unexpected occurring. Um, and we got that again last week. I mean, literally the Australian stock market has gone since early June. I think our market's risen just over 4% in June. So four months since early June, um, nearly five months since early June, we've only gone up 4%, which really shows you why there's frustration around. The market's not really picking a direction, as I was mentioning you know, a month ago, I thought the market would come down and we'd be getting into a low right now. It's holding up. And instead of instead of actually going into the low, I've actually made a slightly higher high. And we'll, I'll get into the charts in a second, but it really is about being patient. And this is really what I want to say to people is it's not about direction necessarily in terms of it's how you handle whatever the direction is. Now, the market moves up down sideways. That's what it does. And it gets into all sorts of different um, combinations of those and in terms of time and price. So sometimes, you know, we're getting four and five months where the market just really doesn't do too much. And this is where you need to have patience, not jump too early, um, but also not jump too late when you're getting into stocks. And the, obviously the, the same is when you're trying to exit stocks, don't jump too early, uh, but don't jump too late. So let's go and have a look at the charts now. And on the screen, on the left on the screen, you've got a monthly chart on the, on the white right, you've got a weekly chart. And I'm gonna bring up the monthly chart first, just to explain a little bit. I've just put a couple of lines on it. It's just a monthly bar chart. Somebody asked me the uh, last week, why we use bar, bar charts where wouldn't it be better if we used candlestick charts? Now. Bar charts and candlestick charts are exactly the same thing, almost. And I did say almost. They have exactly the same data on them. So there is absolutely no difference between a bar chart and a candlestick chart in terms of the data that they display. They both have the open, close, high and low 
of a bar or a candle is exactly the same. The only difference is, is the way they they actually display. And I'll just bring it up just briefly for a second um, if you just see a bar. So you can see this last bar, which is the current month, and you can see it open down there and it closed right there. All the candlestick does is make a little box around those, but it joins the low, the uh, the open and the close and makes a rectangle or a uh, rectangle around that. That's it. Outside of that, there is absolutely zero difference between a candlestick chart and a bar chart. So one is no better than the other. Um, and this person said they prefer the patterns um, that the candlestick chart makes. And the candlestick chart and the bar chart make the same patterns. They really do. Um, you know, yes, we do have, there's lots of information out there about candlestick reversal signals that are out there. And we teach that to our students through our, our courses, those, those signals. But candlestick reversals are really, really, really short term stuff. We're talking about two or three um, candles, the same with bar charts. Those little signals are really short term type of um, possible reversals. But the big challenge that people have with candlesticks is when is it actually going to reverse? When's it going to work? And when's it not going to work? And that's really what people don't understand. Um, and that really gets down to how they understand the market. It's not just about the pattern, it's about price, time, and pattern. Because um, the market runs in momentum and volatility, we need to understand all of that as well. Now, getting back onto onto the chart, you'll see the chart in front of you right now with your Lord News Index. Now, I've just drawn a grey line from basically the 82 low right through, and it's cut through. You know, it's it's joined onto the 87 bottom. It's picked up some peaks and troughs all the way, but that's the momentum of our market. That's roughly the speed it travels over a period of time, and we can measure that in time, in number of days, and, and also in price. So we can say, well, are the All Lord News index rises so many points per day and we can do that and that's work that I actually do do uh, and it starts to get a bit complicated uh, if I keep talking about that but I know the all lords if it starts to get away from that momentum will eventually come back to it like we did during the GFC and it went out and it got away from it and it came back to it like it did in the coronavirus low so it's going to it's going away from it now and eventually whatever it is it'll come back to it in another move at whatever time frame that is. But what I wanted to show with you is this levels of support and resistance. And you can see here, there's a peak back in 2007 and it had another peak uh, around the same level there in 2018. And that's exactly where we are now. It's around that six and a half thousand point level. So if I just stretch that out a little bit, you can see here. So that peak through there, that was 6,469 points. This one here was 6,481 points. And so far this month, we're sitting at 6,455 points. So pretty close to that. So there is a bit of reasonable resistance around there. And that's possibly why the market is struggling a little bit to get through it. So you can see here, it's exactly the same line that I've drawn here. That was that previous peak there, 6481 from August 2018. It hit it again there and came back, but then it blew through it. Uh, then it came back and found some support on it there. And now we're finding some resistance on it at the moment. We tried to move up, tried to move up again and closing low. So where's the market heading right now? Well, at this point in time, it wouldn't surprise me if we do have a bit of a pullback this week, at least one week down. And it remains to be seen how far that will be. Is, is this the low that I was expecting? Well, it is possible. It probably happened a tiny little bit earlier than what I expected. I did expect October to be a little bit more volatile, but it didn't. It wasn't. 
we've had the opposite, whereas October has been rising, mainly that one week. That was a big week there, that 352-point range. But while the federal, the US federal election is on, I don't think we're going to get much more out of this. And obviously, we're only 10 days out of that. So, well, not even that now. Um, by the time I'm recording this, it's not too far away, that election. And once we've got, once it's known who the president is, um, I think the market will then go on. We may get a bit of a dip once the president is known. Um, but then I think the market will be good after that. So I still think we're moving through into Christmas and into early next year more bullish. But again, anything can happen right now. If uh, something does happen with that EU, this uh, US election that we don't expect, we might see a big dip coming down, a short, sharp dip coming down, and, and then the market to move. And again, you know, some people are saying to me, well, Dale, stop sitting on the fence. It's either going to go one way or the other. And it is, but I can't control volatility. Nobody can and nobody can predict volatility. If they tell you they can, they're probably lying to you because you can't, nobody here, we can make speculation about who might be the president of the US um, in two weeks' time. We can, but we may not be right. We can also, you know, speculate that all sorts of things might occur in the marketplace, but until it does... It's pure speculation and volatility cannot be predicted as such. So we can't predict um, a coronavirus outbreak. We know sitting here in my chair today, I know with 100% certainty, will we have other virus outbreaks in the next 10 or 20 or 30 years? Probably. And it's a high probability, but when? That's the question. So when we do get another virus outbreak, what will happen? That's another question because that will rely on whatever the government's response or the World Health Organization response, the type of virus it is. So there's a lot of variables, but we can't pick that. All I can do is what I can do and what I can control. And what I can control is when I get in and when I get out and how I'm managing my portfolio. And that's really what I'm saying is it doesn't matter whether the market goes up or down from this point. It's what are you doing to make sure that you're looking after your portfolio? Are you um, holding your shares? Are you exiting your shares? Do you have exit strategies? Do you have entry strategies on those? And what's your plan? And all too often I find people guess rather than go into, um, you know, just putting a little bit of time and effort into their portfolio and understanding what they need to do. And again, that's why I talk to people about getting my book, you know, the, my book is there um, and you can get it for free on our website. I know a few people have said, hey, I went to the bookstop bookstore on your website and they'll charge me full price. All you need to do, if you wanna get this book, it is free, just pay the postage, just on the front page of our website, uh, just look for the book cover, and there's a wee button there with the book cover on the front page, you just click it, and you'll get the special offer. Um, and if you prefer, just ring the girls, just ring 92909999, and they'll get it out to you. So that's Melbourne, 03929099. But let's get into our questions for today. Now, the first question we have today is from Andrew, and Andrew says, Hi Dale, can I get your opinion on BWP? It looks like a strong, steady stock. Bunnings does not have much in terms of competition since Masters went bust. Um, yeah, it doesn't have, uh, well, it hasn't had much, it didn't have much competition, I don't think, then with Masters. I, I went into Masters, I think, once or twice and was lost both times, um, whereas Bunnings was a little bit different. You walk in the door and straight away, somebody's asking you what you need and telling you where to go and, and helping you out. So I uh, totally agree. But let's go and have a look at the stock um, or the charts of that stock. So on your screen, I've got up Bunnings. Um, on the left, as normal monthly chart. On the right 
is the weekly chart. But just to have a quick look at the monthly chart on Bunnings, and you can see there it's quite volatile. Obviously a big peak there in 2016 came down. It went up there through into October last year, so the big high there. Then obviously the COVID moved down. This moved down, obviously, it was probably because Masters went down, it did move up again. It's been doing really well during the pandemic. A lot of people doing a lot more home renovations, etc., and it did take off quite well. So it's this move here is just a massive move if we go and measure it if I put my little tool on you can see from that low to the close it was up nearly 50 or nearly 59% there I mean obviously a big chunk of that was uh, from here we're talking about from the low but from where it closed it wasn't as much but a lot of people doing well Bunnings is a good stock I do like the stock is it going to keep going um, looking at the terms in terms of what I was talking about a little bit before with the um, All Ordinaries Index, if I go and just grab one of my trend line tools here and just click on it and do the same sort of thing, just grab it on the low and we just pick it right across here and you can see some peaks and troughs roughly through here. So it gets above it, comes back to it, here's some hits, it hits its head on it, bumps its head, comes down, breaks through it, goes back below. It just goes around that that's it steady. It's a real, real steady type of stock. Right now, it's a little bit overheated. And will it come back down again? Possibly. Um, it may do that. But right down this point in time, um, it is showing a little bit of weakness to go through there. And, and again, um, it really remains to be seen. It's probably needs to have a bit of a pullback um, with this so many one, two, three, four, five, six, seven months up. You might see it come down for a month or two, because if you go back here and look at one, two, three, four, five months up, it doesn't do seven months up a lot. You can get probably about here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine-ish and a bit. So a little bit more than that. Here's a big run through here out of 2011. But the longer it goes up without a pullback, the more chance the pullback will occur. And that's the only thing you're thinking of right now. It still looks good. I still think long term this stock will be good. I think it eventually will break through that. But if you're not in it now, just wait for some rules to get into it. But again, it's let me bring up the weekly chart here and just have a quick look in here. It's just folding over a little bit. It's not looking super strong. And maybe it went off a bit too fast here, but I would expect maybe a little bit of a pullback here uh, before it starts to rise. But it wouldn't surprise me if it did take off, you know, if the, the economy looks really good. But we are talking about the, um, or the RBA is talking about dropping interest rates. Well, sorry, they're not talking about it. They sort of hinted it, and I know a lot of experts are expecting it. I know I've got to make a quote for finder.com who's asking me about my opinion on interest rates. I think you know, from interest rates point of view, I don't think we need to do that. We need, don't need to drop. We're already only 0.25%. So how much more are you going to drop it? And the last couple really haven't done much. I think we just need to get back to work. That's really what we need to do. See the economy get off. And then when that happens, then we might see stocks like Bunnings take off. But great question. Thank you very much for that. Next, we have a question from Ron. He says, hi, guys. Thoughts on IDA. Have a very interesting announcements and possible revenue growth. So let's go and have a look at um, IDA and see what um, my thoughts are on that stock. Now I'll just bring it up on the screen there so we can all see it. So more of a speculative stock, way very speculative looking at that Indiana resources. When I look at a monthly chart and I see that, that just, uh, I was about to say that scares the hell out of me because um, it's just so, if it's doing that on a monthly chart, this sort of stuff here, this sort of stuff here, big gaps like here, that's an, an illiquid stock. And here's, it's even worse. And you can see this, this is not a stock you should be trading. Um, and yeah, it's a low cap stock, but looking at these and seeing that 23 cents, there's 41,000 shares sold at 23 cents in a whole week. Multiply that, get your calculator out and type in 20, 
uh, 0.23 multiplied by 41,000. And there's absolutely stuff or money going into this stock. And look at that one, 145,000 at two cents, sorry, at two cents, that's 0.23 of a cent, sorry. Um, so points, it's only up at six cents at the moment and lots of gapping. These stocks are really, really fraught for danger and you're gonna get them wrong more times than you get it right. It's not a stock that I would like. Um, to have in my portfolio, I wouldn't definitely trade, not definitely not trade this stock at all, even with my knowledge and experience. I understand people want to do that, but look at this. You go right back, look at this stock. It's just all over the place. You could have bought it in 1991 and you would have gone through a whole hell of a roller coaster ride all the way through. You need to have very good skills and you need to really understand the fundamentals of a stock here more so than the technical side of it. Um, you really do need to, it's, it is a speculative stock. It's risen quite hard through here and this is why a lot of people may even be looking at it they may be looking at volume that's coming through it at the moment because you expect volume but these stocks are heavily um i was going to say heavily manipulated but you know if you're somebody who's a, who's in the know on this sort of stock you can go out and spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars put some more volume into this stock and push the volume through the roof you can see there's seven million 7.486 million shares on that week through here. So volume did rise through here and you get it to move and you get people jumping on this volume saying, wow, it's going up, it's got volume, it's doubled in price. Um, if I go and put my little tool on here and then you get all the punters as they talk about. So let's just say just from here in June to here, 130% and people, the punters are now getting in. And what will happen is if somebody in the know comes in here, starts pushing some money into it, seeing the, the volume rise, push the price up and then they wait for the people to, who watch those sorts of things on the marketplace, watch chat forums, all sorts of stuff, get into the stock and then they start selling out. The guys in the early part start selling out and they doubled their money. It's a pretty good little investment scheme, isn't it? So, but and not a stock that I would invest in. It's it's too fickle. It way it is. Picking your timing, picking your entries, picking your it's, it's it's you need to have a strong stomach muscles for these sorts of stocks. But um, again, if you want to trade it, that's up to you. But it's not my recommendation. Our next question is from Peter, who says, "Hi, Dale and Janine. Thoroughly enjoying the show every week. Thank you very much for that. Always something to learn." Just another question about S32. They have just released their quarterly and delivered an increase to 70 million US dollars to their net um, cash position. Looking at their chart and it seems volume seems to have picked up since their announcement. Um, could this be the start of a turnaround for them? Currently hold some short and long-term looking to sell my short-term ones, thank you. I'm not sure whether you've got one stock that you're holding for short and long-term. I'm not sure why you would be doing that. Um, it's not necessarily, necessarily, if I can say that, it's Monday morning, guys. Um, that's not necessarily a strategy that Janine and I would promote. You either have the stock or you don't have the stock and your intention is short, medium or long term, whatever that it is. You don't sort of keep some for a bit and um, for only a short term. So again, if you like the stock, you like the stock and you have a strategy and your rules around that for, for that particular stock. It is a stock that I actually do like and I'll put some volume on that weekly chart, but volume, as I was saying, volume, Without being root, volume is probably, the, if I had to throw something out of trading, it would be volume. That would be the very first thing that I've ever, all the techniques and strategies and everything I used, volume would be the first thing that I would throw out of trading, simply because it's so overused and overrated for what it is. And on a weekly chart, on good stocks like this, it's volumes next to you, it doesn't tell you a lot. It really doesn't tell you very much at all. Um, and I know a lot of traders look at it and they look for increasing in volume. 
but volume on its own does not tell you anything. It just says there's more shares bought or sold. And it, it's about what is the veracity of the buyers or sellers. And you need to understand that. So you have to combine volume with other rules and tools to make sense of it. And volume really is only useful a lot more for very, very short term, very highly leveraged trading where you need to really get your entry down into the right day or the part, right part of the day. And so there's a lot of videos and books out there talking about volume, but they're really talking about day trading or intraday trading and that short term trading when you're using volume, um, rules around volume. And for anybody who's more medium term volume, forget about it, don't ever use it. If you're long term, you don't even need to even know how to spell volume, let alone use it. It's just irrelevant to you. As long as you're trading good liquid stocks, and if you're trading in the top 100, that's what you're doing, um, or the top 100 stocks on the market, you are trading good liquid stocks. But let's go and have a look at the chart and give you my thoughts on S32. I already said I did like the stock. Um, volume has really has increased the last week or two, but nothing really, it's a little bit less. If I put my little crosshairs on it, let me just bring it up um, a bigger chart so you can see it all a little bit easier. If I put the crosshairs on the volume and you can have a look at where it is, that's pretty normal, roughly pretty normal around here. Average volume somewhere around about there, sort of. Uh, you can see most of the bars hit that line or just above it and there were some just below it, but that's pretty much average volume. So it's not really any increase in volume. Obviously, you can look at two weeks, a couple of weeks ago, if I take that off, you can see there's not much volume on this week. And so that's probably why you may have thought there was more volume. But what week is it? So that's Friday, the 9th of October. That's the 2nd of October. And it's that week, but it didn't move too much. So when you start looking at what market's actually doing, that means there wasn't a lot of volume coming in there. It's struggling to get through this sort of level here, the 220, level. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, but I do like it and I think it's got more upside, so I do agree with you. It's been turning around since there was your low there back in March. It's been beautiful, but it hasn't been spectacular. I do think it's great news that it is moving up right now. I do think it's good news. On, well, the announcement was really, really good news, but the market's not really at this point in time it's not saying it's spectacular but i still think the up there's good medium term upside on this stock short term i'm not sure you're going to get uh, a lot of joy out of it but i think over the medium to longer term there's going to be a lot of joy in the stock and i think it does look good coming after the next couple of years out of where it is right now but uh, i do as i said i do really like this stock um, but thank you for sending your questions thank everybody for your questions and thanks for your support we really appreciate it now last week i asked what your favorite investment book was and we got so many posts it was just a bucket load and some of them with multiple books so thanks to everyone who posted and you know there were some really good books on there a couple of people put my my books on there so thank you very much for that you didn't need to do that but uh, i appreciate that you do put my books up into there there were some great books some of them i have read there's quite a few I haven't actually read. I People often ask me what books that I read and, and there's very, very few books that I read. Um, very few trading books. My library of trading books is very small compared to a lot of people's because a lot of the trading books, they talk about the same stuff and 90% of traders don't really make money. They sort of fluff around, they have inconsistency. So 80% lose, 10% break even, and only 10% make money. So there's really very few books that I read because most books talk about the same sorts of things. And I talk about when I'm reading books, especially trading books, it's more advanced stuff, um, but it's more about psychology and about how I think a lot better because everything trading is always about how your attitude is or how you're uh, not necessarily 
your aptitude. So whilst you do need some good rules and skills around trading, you need to organize this better. And to me, it's about that thinking. And there's, uh, you know, the saying that I often bring up, it's, you know, are you trading to not lose? Or are you trading to win? And I find a lot of people are trading to not lose because they're not handling their psychology. But there were some great books in there. I know one of them was Mark Douglas's Trading in the Zone. Somebody said that was an amazing book. Um, I do like the book. I didn't think it was fantastic, but I liked it. And I thought it was a good book for new traders and beginner traders. More advanced traders, there are the better books um, around trading psychology. But it is a great book, Mark Douglas. But thank you very much for putting your comments there. But let me ask you another question. What's the one thing that you feel that you need to improve your returns in the market? So what's the one thing you feel you need to improve your returns in the market? Post your answer below and I'll pick one to talk about next week. So get typing on that keyboard. Now, if you do have any questions that you'd like me to answer, just stick them below. You can do that. Um, we've had a, because I've been asking questions the last few weeks, we've had a few less stocks. But if you do have a stock you want me to look at, remember to stick that down below as well. Give us a thumbs up as well. Now, remember we're here on this channel we do these Monday market reports every single week and we also do our live stream every Tuesday night 7 to 8 p.m. so hit the subscribe button now click the bell on the right of it so you know when we upload our latest videos and go live now for now I'm Dale Gillum goodbye good luck and good trade thanks for listening this podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within a global leader in stock market education for more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.